All right, and hello and welcome to the DevOps Speakeasy at the JFocus Conference. My name's Stephen Chin. I'm going to be the host for today. I'm the VP of Developer Relations at JFrog, and I'm joined by Dylan Beattie. How are you doing today, Dylan? Hey, folks. Yeah, I'm doing great. I no. just, uh, I'm here. It's in Stockholm. We're in person. The sun is shining. There's, what, 1,600 people here, Matthias was saying this morning? Exactly. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. And the, the keynote went off this morning. Pretty much without a hitch, so which is always a nice. I heard feeling. I heard really good things about the keynote, <laughs> so I, I think that it's off to a good start. And normally it would be snowing at JFocus, but it got pushed to May this year, so which this is, is beautiful weather. This in is Stockholm. one of the the um, kind of silver linings of the whole pandemic situation. As I think after the last few years, a lot of events are like we're not going to do it in winter. Winter is when the spikes happen. We're going to pay the little bit extra because normally, you know, the thing about conference travel is you got to go to all these places at the time of year when no one else wants to go there because that's when the hotels are cheap. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you get to go. I've been to like Helsinki in November and uh, I came out of the railway station. There's this huge banner on the building opposite saying, no one goes to Finland in November except you, you <laughs> badass. Um, so, yeah, you get to see kind of lots of places off season. But this, you know, May and, and June this year are absolutely packed with, with travel and events. And, so you say and, that uh, no one goes to Finland in the winter, but um, there's really good snowmobiling. Well, I, I tend to, I used to be a downhill skier, and probably I still am. I, I had a bad accident, and that took me out for a year or two, and I went back. But I never saw the fun in, like, just let gravity do the work. <laughs> you know, why would you take, a, like, a diesel engine out on the snow and everything? It's like, no, no, just literally just find a hill and woof, off you go. That, that um, works. But maybe that's, I, maybe that's the secret. It's hard, to, it's hard to ski across lakes. So you need a snowmobile when you're going across ice lakes. I, I guess there is that. Or have yeah. you ever seen ice yachts? Ice yachts? No, uh, I haven't seen ice Basically, so it's the same. It's like a, you know, kind of windsurfer principle. So you've got a set of sails on it, <laughs> but then you've got big, long runners, like giant ice skates. And these things go Fast. I mean, they uh, they use the Bernoulli effect on the sail, so they can actually go faster than the wind, wow. which is unbelievable. So, uh, anyway, yeah. So yeah, we're here in Stockholm, and it's not snowy, and there are no ice lakes, and uh, it's beautiful here. It really so is. There's, so there's there's a huge number of developers out here, sixteen hundred. And how how do you think the audience here like relates to your your traditional audience you've been working with? Well, it's you know my background is uh, web and and .NET stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you know Java was one of the languages I learned at university, along with Prolog and Scheme and Lisp and ML and all kinds of and C C plus um, plus. But my career just kind of drifted into into the, the Microsoft stack, and it's interesting. I think twenty years ago, maybe fifteen years ago, um, if somebody told you what language they worked in you could probably extrapolate from that what kind of laptop they had, what their operating system was, <laughs> what database, what company they worked for, and who their clients were. Because uh, there was very, very kind of siloed. And you know, one of the, I think, very positive things that's happened, that's not true anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I do .NET development, but now I do .NET development on a Mac, and then I deploy to Linux. And uh, I've got a, a Dart and a Node.js runtime baked into the project I'm working on at the moment. Yeah, so and do you think do you think that's a result of just people getting more polyglot or like cloud computing and Kubernetes have made it so much easier I to think, do multi I think cloud has been a big yeah. driver because you know, I I don't think it's going out on a limb to say that the future of making any money out of software is you gotta get money out of people when they run it. Mm -hmm. You know, and the two the two places where that happens are cloud and hardware. Uh, eventually, I think we're going to get to a thing where you pay for laptops and you pay for hosting and everything else, you know, eventually, because the cost of duplication is zero, everything else is going to eventually turn towards being free. 
Yeah, no, I mean, a, a decade ago, yeah. you would have never imagined that Microsoft yeah. was actively pushing Java and things which were dot, not dot .NET on the Azure platform. 20 years ago, you'd never have imagined that Java would be owned by Oracle, but there you go. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, so I mean, like, the whole developer community has moved along, and, like, how do you how do you see that reflected in how developers are adopting technology? Um, I, what I see everywhere is people are more willing to be, like, you know, oh, it's a Docker container. All right, I can just spin this up and run it. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the days when you'd look at some dependency or piece of tooling and be like, okay, this this might solve my problem. Like, the web page looks good. The readme looks good. But I don't want to install it on the computer that I use to do my job because if it blows everything up and nothing works anymore, then I'm in for a week of reinstalling and uninstalling and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, cloud and container, it's so easy now to just spin that up, run it while you need it. And so, you know, you can have a, a, a laptop that most of the time runs nothing. And you need to do some database development, that's cool. You spin up a container for that. You need to do, you've got a couple of microservices, you can host them in containers, you can spin all that up. Nice. Elasticsearch, Redis, and you just kind of switch them on and off as you need them. And, you know, I, I remember when the developer machines were snowflakes where you had to install this and then this and then this in that order. Because if you install this one first, the others aren't going to work. And, and then probably um, there, there yeah. was, only, only if you had it set up perfectly could you yeah. actually get any development work on the yes. project. And, uh... Yeah, it'd be like, right, first week is getting all this stuff set up. Maybe if you're lucky by Friday lunchtime, you can, you know, build and run the project. And then it's like, all right, well, next week you can actually start. So, so do you think for, in terms of developer hardware, do you mm. think that's kind of leveled the playing field where you can run Mac or Windows or any operating system as long as you can run Docker containers and get your development done? I think so. I mean, we've definitely, the biggest single innovation, I think, in hardware in the last 15 years is that the FN key on the latest MacBooks can be remapped. <laughs> because I used to, for many years, I had the older, the 2014 MacBook Pro, which I dual-booted Windows and Mac OS on, ran everything on it, you know, mm -hmm. Rails development, mm -hmm. uh, .NET, odd bits of all kinds of things. Uh, and honestly, the biggest headache was you had this key in the bottom left corner that you couldn't remap to anything else. <laughs> and I think they fixed that. I just got the, the new MacBook, uh, the M1. Nice. And, uh, the, the you one, know, so certainly they actually have physical function keys again. It, it has physical function keys. It's got an HDMI port. It's got a, wow. it's, it's basically like the wish list of, you know, <laughs> all the things that we've been saying, like, no, 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 look, okay, we need HDMI back because we don't want to have to carry a dongle everywhere. And uh, can we have, you know, physical USB and the t little touchscreen bar was a nice idea. And, uh, you know, it's, it's I mean, to, to talk about Apple specifically, they've always kind of shipped things that people looked at and went, no one's going to do that. You know, the iMac, when that first came out, you remember the, the blue kind of goldfish bowl computer? Yeah, yeah. And it didn't have a floppy disk drive. Yeah. And everyone's like, this is heresy. How can you? And they're <laughs> like, no, we have the internet now. Like, you're not putting stuff on floppy disks anymore. You're going to email it to people. Um, and, of course, they were right. But it was kind of... They were right, like, yeah. five years before the time. I'd go six months. Six um, months, And I think, I think it, it requires that kind of, you know, pushing the envelope. There's a bunch of people who would go out and buy one of those because it was stylish and minimalist. And then they'd be like, mm -hmm. oh, I need to send a file to someone. I guess I should figure out this email thing. Um, and, you know, they've always... I think that combination of having devices which are kind of attractive to trendsetters because they're very stylish, they're very well designed, that then force those people to actually... You know, innovate and, and yeah, and I mean, definitely Apple. Apple yeah. makes the best hardware. Like that whole misstep with the Touch Bar was unfortunate, but they well, they've, they've since know, fixed that. It might have been a good idea, but uh, <laughs> and the new one actually. When, when I first saw the new ones, they got this notch in the middle of the screen where the, the camera's built in. Oh. First time I saw, it, I thought that's a terrible idea, but I got to say, after three weeks of using it, I don't know. You like it. it's you fine. like the notch? It's not that you lost that much screen; it's that you've gained an extra space to put the menus either yeah. side, which is which is really cool. Uh, 
So yeah, I'm enjoying that very much. But, uh, yeah, and I, I think on the opposite side from software, Microsoft's done good stuff with mm -hmm. WSL2 and yep. making it like, yeah, yeah. super integrated yep. to run Docker containers. And it's a good place to be a developer. I think you can yes. basically pick your machine of choice and be yes. highly productive. Yes, very definitely. It feels like you can use the hardware you want with the operating system you want, stack, the platform, libraries you want, and that also doesn't dictate your choice of production deployment. Nice. Um, and I think that's got to be a good thing for everybody. So freedom of choice for developers. Yeah, yeah definitely a good thing. So. Yeah, and in your keynote today, you were talking a lot about like um, kind of development choice on, on or poor choices on text files. <laughs> and any any memorable like um, examples you want to toss out for our audience? So I'm actually, so this morning I was doing a, a keynote about creative programming and I got to talk tomorrow about text encoding things. Yeah. And, you know, both of them to me are the, Talks I enjoy doing because they're relevant to a lot of people in tech. They don't focus on any particular mm -hmm. niche. And, uh, you know, tomorrow I'm going to be talking about just some uh, classic examples of how text files go wrong. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of interesting examples about, you know, various kinds of different encodings. And, you know, just the whole, once you get above ASCII 127, the world has never, ever agreed on what those characters mean. And, you know, even today, we're still, I was doing an event last week where we exported a bunch of name badges from the ticket system to put on the certificates, and somewhere along the line, the UTF-8 fell off, and a yeah, bunch of developers even, got a certificate with their name mangled on it. Even and, today, we were, we were um, yeah. talking to a bunch of the vendors here, and beyond getting basic QR code scanning, which seems to work on all mobile devices in the world, the yep. format of what came back, getting something to process that was physically impossible. Yeah. Because it's it's random text, which everybody can't quite agree on whether it's CFD I mean, separated. Know, we we or... got to a point now where you can have a single text file in a folder, and if you open it in one editor, you get one thing. If you open it, you know, CSV <laughs> CSV export is the kind of the lowest common denominator that never works. Because you're like, okay, I got the CSV file, and you open it in Excel, and one thing breaks, and you open it in Sublime Text, and something else breaks, and you open it somewhere else, but it's still ubiquitous because for all the you know XML JSON. Um, if you can't open it in a spreadsheet, most people don't care. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we, where we find ourselves is, I don't care about all this cool integration and APIs, give me a CSV file. It's what actually runs the world. So, and uh, yeah, and there's no kind of... And there's no agreed standards. Well, there are too many, and yeah. we just can't agree on which one we're using from one moment to the next. Nice. But, uh, <laughs> okay, so we've, we've advanced on development hardware, we've advanced on making it easy to deploy your cloud architectures, yep. and we, we still have horrible... APIs and text files, which nobody can agree on the standards I for. I think the, you know, the trade-off is always it's easy to fix things when no one's using them. Because, um, <laughs> you know, this is the classic thing of, you know, when you have a, a code base for a prototype product that maybe you and half a dozen of your friends are running, you can change that anytime you want. You know, it's like the um, Doom and Quake, the, the guys from id Software who built that, were like, they'd code all day, then they'd play all night, and they were the only people in the world playing it. Mm -hmm. So the next day they'd be like, right, the shotgun is still too powerful, this moves too fast, change that, change that, tweak all the things. They play it again, eventually they got to a point where they're like, we're happy with this now. And then they ship it, but of course once you've shipped it and the rest of the world is using it, you change it, they're going to say nasty things about you on Reddit. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, something as ubiquitous as text files, which was never actually ubiquitous. It's just a bunch of people, this is kind of the whole gist of what I'm talking about tomorrow, a bunch of people are like, oh yeah, text files, we know what that is. And it's like, well, no, you really kind of, we don't know what that is, and we make them for a living, you know. So, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> lots of interesting scope for misunderstanding because it's easier to nod and go, "Yeah, CSV is fine," 
than it is to get into that conversation about exactly what you're dealing with. Cool. So looking forward to your talk tomorrow. Likewise. Thanks a lot for joining us for the DevOps Speakeasy here That's at the J Focus pleasure. Conference. And join us for more great interviews here on our um, on our YouTube channel. So thank you very much. Cool. Take care, folks.